Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, gee, Kanye, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. It's been really uh, enlightening. Ass. The following podcast contains. You cannot say filth, flying filth, flying filth in front of people. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you hired a comedian and then got all pissy when they told jokes, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, May 4th, 2018, Speak of the Pompatus of Trump edition of the show, where we take a look at the jokers and the smokers of the White House Correspondents' Dinner and find that we really love Michelle Wolf's peaches. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Rent-A-Hack, bland, inoffensive comedy. Are you putting on the Ritz for your corporate government cronies? Or need the least excited comedic host you can find? Try Rent-A-Hack. We provide only certified, vetted, unfunny comedians whose material is scientifically proven to never offend or elicit a laugh. Just like these. Uh, did you hear about the man who sold a calendar? He got 12 months. Huh. <laughs> or what did Batman say to Robin before he got in the car? He said get in the car. <laughs> Jokes so generic, they're guaranteed never to offend. When you need a comedian but don't want them to be funny, try Rent-A-Hack. Use the promo code STOPMEIFYOU'VEHEARDTHIS-ONE-BEFORE-CHECK-OUT and receive a free ventriloquist act at your event. You guys gotta stop putting Kellyanne on your shows. All she does is lie. If you don't give her a platform, she has nowhere to lie. It's like that old saying, if a tree falls in the woods, how do we get Kellyanne under that tree? I'm not suggesting she gets hurt, just stuck. And I'm never really sure what to call Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, is it Sarah Sanders? Is it Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Is it Cousin Huckabee? Is it Auntie Huckabee Sanders? Like, what's Uncle Tom but for white women who disappoint other white women? Oh, I know, Aunt Coulter. I'm considered by some to be a funny guy. I mean, I I wouldn't go so far as to call myself a comedian. You may tell jokes, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld, but you are no comedian. But I classify myself as funny. Now, my sense of humor isn't for everyone. I get that. I mean, when you boil it down, a lot of people don't want to hear a lowbrow Dennis Miller rant with a couple of fart jokes thrown in for good measure. But I feel qualified to possess opinions on what is funny and what isn't funny. Subjective opinions, to be sure, but informed subjective opinion. For example, Mike Huckabee's Twitter feed? Not funny. But the word Huckabee? <laughs> it makes me giggle every time I hear it. <laughs> so I know funny. And because I'm considered funny... Over the years, I've been asked to contribute content to various endeavors such as newsletters and skits, which are supposed to ostensibly improve morale over the many, many jobs I've had. And I've I've held quite a lot of jobs over my many, many failed careers. Believe me, in my life, I got fired a lot of times. (laughs) You can tell. 
And over those many failed careers, I've yet to experience a boost in morale from any mandatory participation activity. In fact, it's usually quite the opposite one. But, uh, you know, they made us do them anyway. The problem was and is that I have a problem with self-editing. So if I think something is funny, chances are very, very good I'm going to say what I think is funny and consequence be damned. One year for the Squadron Christmas Party... I was ordered to write the skit. You know the skit. It's that thing where some bad writer and a bunch of people who can't act get together and do an incredibly unfunny uh, scripted performance for the squadron or for your organization that's supposed to make you laugh but doesn't. Yeah, that's what they made me write. And I told the sergeant who ordered me that it was a very bad idea. Nevertheless, he persisted. So the uh, script I produced was the usual pablum one does for this kind of thing, except for one very brief line in one scene where I referenced some spicy gossip I was privy to regarding the commander of our squadron being caught by the local cops driving while just a titch bit tipsy, by which I mean utterly fucked up. And I had the info from the actual local cop who gave him the professional courtesy of not locking his ass up. All the while, said commander was cracking down on others who did any kind of alcohol-related incident. Forget driving, just underage drinking or having a good time with a beer in your hand. Now, I wasn't so stupid as to overtly state what I knew, but uh, I made some jokes which... uh, most definitely hit home, and most definitely did not strike the funny bone of my commander. Fucking if she can't take a joke, Sarge? Actually, fuck me, because he couldn't take a joke, and he made it his mission in life to make my remaining few years in the military a living hell, and he succeeded. All because I told a joke he didn't like. Speaking truth to power is often a zero-sum game for the truth speaker. It comes at a cost for the common person who just happens to stumble into possession of some kind of the truth. When I called out the hypocrisy of my commanding officer for getting away with drinking and driving while punishing others for the same crime, no one thanked me. They did that same sort of uncomfortable, nervous laugh you heard at the White House Correspondents Association dinner. When I called out the university I worked up as, worked at as a cop for covering up sexual assaults, there was no certificate of achievement. They tried to find a way to fire me, and they succeeded. When I had my first shitty job in New York City working at a pet daycare, I told the management that you can't really stop an infectious disease by spraying it with fantastic. You need something like bleach. They didn't say to me, thank you, Dave, for enlightening us and saving us so much money in lost business and vet bills. Let us give you a reward for being a good employee. No, they had a different message for me. You are fired. Because people don't like it when you tell them unpleasant truths. So as you might guess, I have an opinion on the kerfuffle from the White House Correspondents' Dinner last weekend, which for some reason is still going on a week later. I mean, the world's on fire, but, you know, somehow the most important people in the world say are just so worried because the comedian... That goes a little too far. Or I guess more accurately, the most self-important people in America... Your Honor, I'll allow it. ...are still talking about it, including this low-rated podcast. You see, there's this thing. It's called the White House Correspondents Association, and it's the journalists that cover the White House and the president. That makes sense. It was founded in 1914 by some journalists in response to a rumor that the Congress was going to select the journalists who would attend presidential press conferences for President Woodrow Wilson. The rumor, like so many other things that come out of Congress, was complete bullshit. 
And since then, the WHCA has become an advocacy group for the press that covers the White House. And they deal with issues like, I don't know, they say a strong free press and robust coverage of the presidency by advocating for access. But really, it's a club. And they guard their exclusivity and access to the White House in order to keep undesirables out. And most of all, it exists to make sure that its members always have a steady pool of sources for their stories. Even though that pool is actually fed straight from the White House shitters. The WHCA hosts a little event where they get together and they talk to each other and then have some drinks and they just have a good time. It's called the Lickspittle Dinner. That's not what it's called. Sorry, sorry. It's the White House Correspondents' Dinner. But they also call it Nerd Prom. It's a chance for reporters to gather with the people they cover and engage in some social fellatio. And then, for some reason, famous people are invited that's never adequately explained. It's been going on since 1994, and each year, the dinner has a comedian come in and do some jokes. Now, this year, a mean lady by the name of Michelle Wolf, a comedian and writer for shows like Seth Meyer or The Daily Show, came in. And this mean lady, as you heard at the top of the show, said some hurtful things about the people in the White House when she accurately and correctly called them out on their bullshit. When the mean lady did all that hurtful truth-telling, people got mad. I would not say such things if I were you. I mean, you simply cannot go up on the stage and start telling things like the truth to groups of people whose entire life and livelihood is dependent upon the constant transportation of bullshit, while if all of a sudden you put truth into their veins, the shock to their systems would kill them. Naturally, the Republicans were offended when Michelle turned the hairdryer of honesty on their precious snowflake persons. Matt Schaap, who runs the annual conservative political action conference, an annual gathering of the worst human beings of America, it's sort of a Republican clan rally. He got up and walked out of the dinner in a huff, saying he was tired of being ridiculed by out-of-touch elites. But, you know, not so much of a huff that he didn't go to the after-parties. Open bar, dude! Fox News blonde Tommy Lahren said, quote, Saturday's White House Correspondents Dinner proved once again that hate, sexism, and bullying isn't tolerated unless it's aimed at conservatives or the Trump administration. Then it's comedy, unquote. Mike Huckabee, <laughs> that's a funny name, said that the joke celebrated bullying, vulgarity, and hate. Ten-day wonder Anthony the Mooch Scaramucci called the act, quote, a monstrosity, unquote. And, of course, decrepit former funny man Dennis Miller called Michelle a horrid human being and assured us all that he would give her such a cutting burn once he had time to write some material in five to seven business days. Hey, Dennis, it's jokes, man. It's not the waiting list at the Tivera table at the Chateau Marmont. Your delinquency in producing timely material makes George R.R. R. Martin look like corn Tolado. Is that a joke? Well, yeah, it's a Dennis Miller joke. 
it paired obscure references designed to demonstrate the intellectual prowess of the teller while simultaneously denigrating the object of the joke. I mean, if I have to explain the joke, then it just doesn't work. It's not funny. It just makes you sound like a pompous asshole. Ah, uh, now I see it. Now I'm seeing it. The response of conservative snowflake sapiens is expected and even understandable, but the so-called liberal media also twisted their undergarments into non-Euclidean shapes over Wolf's set. Maggie Haberman of the New York Times tweeted out, Sarah Huckabee Sanders <laughs> Huckabee. <laughs> uh, absorbed intense criticism of her physical appearance and uh, her job performance and so forth, and instead of walking out on national television, she was impressive. You know, I had mad respect for Maggie Haberman, who I truly believed was holding Trump's pale tiny toes to the fire. But come on! Sarah Huckabee Sanders' job performance is a fucking national disgrace, and her behavior is that of Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale, just like, just like Michelle Wolf said. She's sold out women everywhere, and if being a lesbian softball, softball coach seemed a bit cruel to people, well, fuck it. I say being a lesbian softball coach is both worthy of respect and, frankly, a much better use of Sarah's time rather than throwing gas on the burning embers of the fucking rule of law. All she does is lie. I mean, sure, press secretaries lie, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders, everything that comes out of her mouth is a lie. Even the ands and the buts and the ors. Sure, the entire Trump administration is an exercise in egregious prevarication, a fountainhead of falsehoods, a plethora of perjury, a basilica of subterfuge, a citadel of calumny, and a veritable evangelical of evasion. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the queen of bullshit. I mean, Trump is an emperor, but Sarah is the walk-on star that swept all of our hearts with her blank-faced monotone monotony of disingenuous skull-fucking dishonesty. Kellyanne Conway is a mere podwan to Sarah Huckabee Sanders Darth Mendacious. So, I'm having a little bit of a hard time ginning up some compassion for her. But the worst response, hands down, came from the head of the White House Correspondents Association, Margaret Taleb, who issued a groveling statement apologizing for the fracas. Quote, Last night's program was meant to offer a unifying message about our common commitment to vigorous and free press while honoring civility, great reporting, and sponsorship winners, not to define people. Unfortunately, the entertainer's monologue was not in the spirit of that mission. What the fuck does that even mean? It means please don't stop bleaking to us. We're sorry. Fuck. You people are reporters. Did you even Google Michelle Wolf before you hired her? Because you would have known that she was going to do exactly what she did. This is from November of last year. Oh, guys, what a time to be alive, huh? Aren't we having fun? I think no matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, we got to give Trump credit when he deserves it. Like, he pulled out of the Paris Agreement, and I think he should get credit for that because he said he was going to pull out, and then he did, and that's a refreshing quality in a man. <laughs> Most men are like, I forgot. Uh, I'll get you next time. <laughs> oh, my God, there's going to be a next time? <laughs> and people say romance is dead. <laughs> 
This is all such bullshit. I mean, it happens every few years at this stupid fucking dinner. Some comedian gets up to the podium and calls out the bullshit the president's doing. Here's Stephen Colbert from 2006 calling out Bush's bullshit. I stand by this man because he stands for things. Not only for things, he stands on things. Things like aircraft carriers and rubble and recently flooded city squares. And that sends a strong message that... No matter what happens to America, she will always rebound with the most powerfully staged photo ops in the world. And it always seems to be a Republican president that gets called out, but that's not liberal bias. It's because Republican presidents always seem to be up to some fucked up or nefarious shit. Plus, there aren't any funny conservative comedians. I mean, are you going to bring up Dennis Miller to do a set? He won't even have any material to weigh into President Biden's second terms, and then all of his jokes will still be about Hillary Clinton, because that's all conservatives can think about. Conservatives are not funny. Not that they don't tell jokes. <laughs> the fecal impaction currently blocking the White House colon has made all kinds of jokes. He joked about mocking disabled reporters. <laughs> he was he was joking when he accused Democrats of treason for not applauding for him at the State of the Union. He was clearly just joshing when he said police should abuse suspects in their company custody. He was kidding when he suggested he should arrest journalists under the Espionage Act for reporting on stories about his myriad crimes. <laughs> oh, and then there was the knee slapper when he said someone should kill Hillary during the election. Oh, God, he's funny. Anyone who doesn't see the humor in his sexually assaulting women just doesn't understand jokes. Huh? A very funny man. Why? Why are people so fired up about this dumb dinner and what was said at it? In context, it's fucking meaningless. Not one single thing changed after the jokes were told and the awkward laughter stopped. We're still in the same shithouse fire with the same criminal prick misdirecting the fire brigade. The same spineless weasels are still in Congress putting up roadblocks to keep the fire trucks from getting closer to the flames to put them out. And the same 37% of Americans are mindlessly pouring gasoline under the turd smoke to obfuscate the truth. The president is a criminal. He conspired with the Russians to win his election and has a long history of acts that ought to have landed him in club fed back in the 90s, but instead somehow got him a fucking television show that made a lot of dimwits think he was the con a business genius instead of an angry little daddy's boy in a constant dick measuring contest with his domineering father and repeatedly losing because Fred Trump was packing a hog leg and Don is a thimble dick. So much rage, so much anger. But Washington, as an institution, desperately needs to pretend that everything is normal. What people don't get is the D.C. press is part of the ecosystem. It operates on established norm. Despite what Donnie Dinky Dick says, the press is not the enemy of the government. It's its symbiotic parasite. They're friends. They go to the same parties. They see one another at social occasions, eat at the same restaurant. They're co-workers in the same corporation. And when someone like Michelle Wolf comes along and reminds them that the things that are most definitely abnormal, it bothers them. It makes them feel like maybe these people they have are having dinner with are actually shitty human beings who are enriching themselves on the suffering of others, and how once upon a time, when they decided became journalists, they were against that sort of thing. But now, but now, it's all about getting a good table at La Diplomat.
Masha Gessen has been writing on the slow collapse of our norms and republics since the rise of the tiny dictator came down his escalator. She wrote in the New Yorker, quote, What makes these dinners possible are the fictions about civility and performance. That they can laugh at one another and themselves and not take offense. That the divisions among guests are ultimately bridgeable. That all of them inhabit the same reality. And that both the humor and the objects of the humor are innocuous. The same fiction continues to dominate our public sphere. In this story, Trump performs the role of president, albeit poorly, and those in the media maintain a strained civility in their coverage of him. This is an essential pretense, because the respect for the office of the president is indeed a value that should transcend the current presidency. But it is this pretense and these fictions that cast a pall of unreality over most media coverage and most and make late-night comedy shows the better news outlets. Wolf's routine burst the bubbles of civility and performance and the separation of media and comedy. It plunged the attendees into a reality that is, in the Trump era, the stuff of comedy. Through her obscene humor, Wolf exposed the obscenity of the fictions and the fundamental unfunniness of it all. Her last line, the most shocking of her entire monologue, bears repeating, Flint still doesn't have clean water. We've become accustomed to the emperor's bare ass hanging out for everyone to see. So people got used to seeing his flaccid, diminutive dingle. Then along comes Michelle Wolf, who not only reminded us that the emperor is buck naked, but he's currently shitting on the buffet table and maybe we should do something about it. She also reminded us that the emperor is only able to continue his naked dinner table defecations because of an entire apparatus that comes along behind the emperor saying not only is the emperor fully clothed, but he's wearing the most beautiful suit you've ever seen and ever will see. And even if there was a steaming turd on the table, which there isn't because the media is lying to you about it, said dookie log is supposed to be there because there's nothing that says that the emperor cannot drop a deuce whenever he pleases and many people are actually quite pleased to have this quote-unquote toilet trout on the national table because that's what they sent him to do to Washington in the first place. Take a shit on the table, which he clearly did not do. These people, these apparatchiks, Sarah Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, they're all well aware of their role in the atrocity transpiring before our eyes, and they're not even trying to hide their complicity because they're relying on the polite fiction of Washington society to keep the D.C. media from taking a deep breath, smelling the turd, suddenly turning around and shouting, holy fuck, the president is taking a shit on the table. Someone get a camera on this he's look he's playing with it and he's stark naked and shitting on the table oh my god everyone look and also in some breaking news flint michigan still does not have clean drinking water <laughs> that is it for our show this week i have to be honest i didn't laugh that much at uh, michelle wolf set during the dinner her timing was off and she was clearly freaked the fuck out that she was actually doing this thing but damn, did she get up and do it. I couldn't have gotten up there and did that last bit about Trump's fl tiny flaccid dingle in front of all those powerful people. I would have just frozen up and started singing, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my tandle. Here is my spout. Until someone came and carried me off the stage. So mad props to Michelle Wolf for not just saying what she said, but for having the guts to say it. You know what? If you would like to speak an unpleasant truth to someone, rate and review this show wherever you found this podcast. Go ahead. We can take it. 
We can take whatever it is you have to say. Things like, quote, very raunchy, made reference to the president's defecating on the dinner table, one star, unquote. And if you're interested at all in other bodily functions best done in private made public, then you can follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are www.whatthehellpodcast.com. You know what? Come on over to our Patreon. Patreon, it's patreon.com slash whatthehellpodcast. Every other week, there's new content that our donors and no one else can hear. And it is entirely bowel movement free. At the moment, you never know what you might hear at the future. One dollar gets you access to about 73 cents of entertainment. We're on a blockchain, and apparently the comedy podcast market is very much in flux. So, for me, Dave, senior White House correspondent Bledsoe, producer national correspondent for Naked Presidents Gavin, and all the other fictional local correspondents on this show, we want to say, some, some people, people call us the Space, space Cowboy. Cowboy. Some call us yeah. the Gangster of Love. But we we really prefer movies. We'll see you all next week. Some people come in more As I speak of the politics of love. People talk about me, baby. They say I'm doing wrong, doing wrong. Don't you worry, baby, don't worry, mama, cause I'm right here, right here, right here, right here at home. Cause I'm a and I'm a critter, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. Playing my music in the sun. I'm a choker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.